to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Great to see you here this morning. And we are diving into a new series called Wisdom I Wish I Had Earlier. Have you ever looked back and thought, oh man, if only I wish I had known and then I wouldn't have... We all should be nodding because uh, we've, all, we've all been there, right? Wisdom, I wish I had earlier. It's going to be a fun series that we're diving into here. One of the ways we could think about wisdom is the ability to make daily decisions that lead towards flourishing. The ability to make daily decisions that lead towards flourishing for ourselves and for those around us. So a lack of wisdom would be where we're making daily decisions that actually undermine the flourishing that we could be experiencing or helping others walk towards. But again, to live with wisdom would be to make those daily decisions that lead towards flourishing. So over the next three weeks, as we dive in to wisdom, I wish I had earlier. We have a series of 12 short insights from the book of Proverbs. And we have nine speakers in this series, Uh, some here, some on the screen from around Australia and abroad. So this is some nice, short, sharp snippets that'll be helpful and practical for us. So before before we dive in... Uh, if you're new to the book of Proverbs, uh, here's some, uh, some helpful context for us as we dive into this book. And, and our Bible is so unique. 66 books in one book. And these books in the Bible have a variety of writing styles. And so each book in the Bible needs to be understood through this particular lens where we would see its particular, its particular literary style. And so some examples of writing styles, we have epistles like Philippians, like Colossians, and these were letters that were originally addressed to a specific group of people, to a specific place in a specific time. And now in the epistles, we do see, obviously there is general spiritual insights that hold true today, but also we've got to look because it does in part address particular issues that were happening at that specific time and that specific place. There's poetic literature, like Psalms. And in poetic literature, we'd, we'd see the use of, of strong, the strong use of metaphor and symbolism, and we get real insights into human experience and human emotion in the uptimes and the downtimes. Another genre in the Bible is wisdom literature, which of course is where Proverbs sits and also Ecclesiastes and Job. And so as we, as we come to Proverbs, so the book of Pro- Proverbs actually begins by describing its purpose. And if we have a look here at, at Proverbs 1 verse 2, we can see that Proverbs are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, moving to verse 3, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour. We can understand Proverbs, something like this, to be maxims on how to do life well. Short statements that summarize wise principles. 
And when we come to reading Proverbs, it's important that we see that what we have here, these are general principles, not concrete promises. These are general principles, not concrete promises, general rules, not absolutes. Again, these are short statements that summarize wise principles. And God wants you and I to live wisely in this world. I think we could all agree to live wisely in this world, to make daily decisions that lead us and others towards flourishing. And so this is the heart for us in this series, that we would lean in with open hearts to continue to learn and grow more and more wise in how we live out our lives here on planet Earth. And I want us to think about growing in wisdom in these two different dimensions. And firstly, we can grow practically in wisdom through experience, through reading, through learning, through conversation, through through study. And this is important and this is good. And one of the ways you you might want to do this is Proverbs has 31 chapters. You could make a decision that, hey, I'm going to read a chapter of Proverbs each day and you'll approximately get through the whole book in a month. And so I spent, I think, six or seven months at one stage where I'd, I'd, as part of my devotion time, I'd go through a chapter of Proverbs a day and, and get through the book in a month and then start again. And you can read it in different translations, etc. And that's a way we can grow in wisdom, getting God's Word into our world and learning practically as well in that space. And, and then there's also something that would, would move in a, in a slightly different direction here, and that's just to ask for wisdom supernaturally. So, so we, can, we can grow practically. And then there's a supernatural element here in James 1.5. We're encouraged that if anyone lacks wisdom, and now that's a, that's a starting point right there, to actually go to that place and admit that I lack wisdom. I don't have the full gamut of the world's wisdom, of God's wisdom living in me. And, and maybe... For someone here, it's, it's a, a moment right here to go, well, yeah, actually, it's true. It's true. And sometimes we have to remind our teenagers of this. Um, <laughs> often we have to remind ourselves uh, of this. So James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, he or she should ask God, who gives generously. Now, I don't have to unpack that in great detail. I think that's quite straightforward, right? If there's ever been a moment in life where you could have made a better decision, where you fell short in wisdom, or where you're looking ahead going, whoa, this is complicated, what lies ahead? The Bible gives us this, here's a clear invitation. God's got supernatural wisdom that He wants to place into your world. That goes above and beyond your learning, your disposition, your personality. And we've got to ask. So right now, if you would like more wisdom in your world, can you stand? And then look around at those not standing. Positive peer pressure is a good thing. So let's pray right now as we commence this series, Lord. We, we thank you that, that you have this glorious invitation for us. You say, ask. And, and 
You give without finding fault. You want to pour wisdom into our world. So, so I stand before you now. We stand before you. And we simply ask, God, pour in wisdom. Lord, we want wisdom to walk out this life in the way that you've called us to. Lord, above and beyond the practicalities that we learn, what we've experienced so far. God, we're asking for a supernatural portion of wisdom to be poured into our world. Lord, that we can walk wisely in relationships. Lord, in our career and in our finances. Lord, in, in how we view you and in this, the whole spiritual world. Lord, and how we are stewards of our body and the, the, this life, this physical life that you've given us. Lord, in all of these things and in everything across our lives, we, we just say, Lord... We ask for wisdom. I ask for wisdom. And so go ahead right now, just your words. Just say, God, would you please fill me with fresh wisdom? More. More wisdom. And if there's a, a particular circumstance that, that lies before you and you're not sure how to step, you're not sure what to do. Could be anything from career choices through to a, a challenging family scenario, through to something that you feel roaring on the inside. God, I ask that you'd give me wisdom right now. Help me step wisely. Lord, we thank you that you've provisioned life to the full. God, a life that is flourishing. And it, it doesn't mean it doesn't have winter and summer and autumn and, and spring. But God, we know that you're there with us through every moment, every up and down, helping us to walk wisely through the world that surrounds us. And so we ask, God, again, give us wisdom. Help us make decisions that lead us and others towards flourishing. For your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. You can sit down, wiser people. So I'd encourage you, pray this daily. Pray this daily. I, just, I saw Pastor John and I here earlier, and, and when, when they asked Em and I to step into this leadership role, it became a very real daily prayer. God, I need not just the wisdom that is living in this body to this point and, you know, done some okay things, whatever, but God, I need supernatural wisdom. And, and so it's become a very real, regular prayer for me. And so for all of us, let's, let's lean in. Okay, so as we, as we continue in the series, so this morning we have three insights. Firstly, we're going to see on the screen Valerie McIntyre. So uh, Valerie is successful in the business world. She's intelligent, insightful, and with her hus husband, Simon, uh, they oversee C3 Americas for our family of churches. Following Val, we have James Murray. And uh, many of the young people would have known James. He's spoken at some of our youth conferences and, and stuff through the years. Uh, he's the founder and lead pastor of C3 Home in South Sydney. He's an innovator. He's witty. And he's an incredible builder of people. And then bringing it home this morning is Pastor Wifey's Emma Schroeder. Amazing. So lean in. Enjoy. Our first two are on the screen. Here we go. Hey there. This is Valerie McIntyre. I'm super excited to be with you uh, remotely. Um, 
Spoiler alert, uh, in addition to the work that I do for church with my husband, Simon McIntyre, I also run my own communications business out of New York City. So when the team asked me if I would say, you know, choose a proverb and, and share some thoughts, they actually asked me to do it through the lens of business. Um, so proverbs, wow. I mean, how do you choose? Chapter three, of course, maybe not of course, has always been one of my favorite chapters in, in that book. And the themes of humility, trust, and obedience found there are often underrated in the workplace and even in everyday life. Um, so quick note, what I'm about to share with you is in the context of business, but it's also applicable to anything you might be doing in any walk of life. Um, so anyway, based on this direction about business, um, I thought I might choose chapter three, verses nine through 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with wine, with good wine. Uh, And that's a natural one for me because my story of coming back to Jesus was really grounded around um, my giving. Uh, As an act of faith, when I could very well not afford to do it, I started giving really early on. And this is before I had even gone back to church. I started giving to a homeless shelter. Um, that act of faith, which was for me grounded in Hebrews 11, you know, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, uh, changed my life. Um, not only did it help me see the value uh, in throwing all of my trust onto God, but also it showed me that remarkably, that's how we actually worked. So my financial situation, which was not good at all at the time, was entirely turned around by this, and it even opened doors to my career overnight almost. So that would be an easy verse for me to dig into, but I actually decided to go with uh, verses um, 11 and 12 in chapter 3. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects the child in whom he delights. So the biggest payoff of coming back to Christ for me was that when I was 30, I was in a deep and profound sense that I was loved and that the, the Lord had my back. And this new se- newfound sense of uh, security gave me the confidence to dig into my career um, with, which was, uh, communications at the time. And then when I started my own business, I was actually a division of a larger branding agency. I ran my own practice within that. Um, but, and I was under their umbrella and as such, I was able to share in profit. So I went from like my career kind of from, from nowhere to my career and then into like running my own business within this other, this other group. So I was a total newbie to partnering and I didn't really understand what it meant to share a profit based on margins. So I got myself into a bit of a pickle. After my first year, I'd worked really hard that year and I didn't make my margin. So I didn't get to share in the profit. So you can appreciate that year. I was entirely um, bummed out given that my team and I had done all the work to get us where we were. And then I didn't get to share in the profits. It was like, it was a bad moment, right? So my pride flared up and I thought, you know, this was righteous you know, indignation. This wasn't just me being um, upset. This was like, this was wrong. This was wrong. And I decided to pull myself away from that company and started making my own plans to go on my own. Um, you know, just to like 
move away. I didn't tell them what I was doing. I kind of quietly started all of these plans. Over the seven years that were leading up to this going on my own with these these gentlemen, um, you know, I'd been tremendously blessed in my career. I was making really good money. I was excelling at everything that I did. And I felt like I had almost unending favor all over me. And I was sure that anything I did was going to work out. Um, but in this situation, I felt like I had been treated really bit badly by my business partners and that God was with me and pulling out and going on my own way. So I started to leave, um, planning my, my, my exit. And then six months into this, into this planning, you know, really getting ready to do my thing. I heard a very small voice say, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And it was the Lord. And I was shocked because I was sure God was in it. I was sure that he wanted me to move out on my own. But I was also shocked that I'd heard his voice because it was really, really small. Um, and, you know, it was, it was definitely a correction. Like going back to the scripture, it was a correction. So years later, um, you know, I look back and I think, thank goodness I heard, thank goodness I heard that voice because I know things would not have worked out for me had I not listened and stayed where I was. I decided to stay. I ate my pride. I realigned my heart and I got back to work um, to not only do, you know, my best work, but also to do it under the covering of the, th- the authority that was in place. These, these gentlemen who were running this umbrella company. Um, it wasn't just that I needed to stay. I needed to stay in the right way. So that was the key. Um, that, that, that was the heart of the correction. I was out of order and blessing flows down. And so because I was out of order, things weren't really, weren't really aligned. Um, so that's exactly what I did. Um, and God blessed my division of that company so tremendously that in a few years, when they changed the nature of their business, they gave me mine, you know, no strings attached. I went out on my own with a huge amount of um, business and money under my belt, something that would never have happened had I just, you know, gone out on my own when I, when I was, you know, thinking that, you know, I'd been wronged. So my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects the child in whom he delights. Whenever you're dealing or whatever you may be dealing with in your life, if you're up against the wall, if you're at a crossroads, uh, if in your spirit you feel like something's not quite right, get quiet and ask the Lord to speak to you. Ask a trusted friend, ask your pastor, you know, what do you see? And don't be afraid to have them speak a word of correction. Um, to maybe tell you something you don't want to hear. It's tempting to think that we know exactly what we should be doing. But as I've shared, some of the most powerful life-changing moments in my life came after a moment of correction. Don't be afraid of the Lord's discipline. That only means he's your father and that he loves you. Hey guys, Pastor James here, all the way from C3 Home in the beautiful southern suburbs of Sydney. So grateful to be with you today and uh, be a part of the C3 Hepburn Heights family for these brief for a few moments that we have together. Hey, I'm excited about it. But this series about Proverbs, I'm excited to share a few thoughts around a proverb that is one of my absolute favorites. And so if you get your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn to this, but we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter three and verse five. Proverbs chapter three and verse five. Solomon writes this. He says, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
do not depend on your own understanding. He says, don't, he didn't say don't use it. He said, just don't depend on it, right? Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. One more time, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. I want to speak to you from the, the topic of trust issues, trust issues. Let's be honest, we've all got a few trust issues. Question, question. Have you ever had a, uh, an incident, something that has taken place in your life, whether it be from a person or a thing that has broken your trust? Yes, I have had that both in both situations, but one of them in particular was a thing. It was, a, it was an object. Um, listen, I have trust issues when it comes to hammocks, hammocks. I cannot trust hammocks. The reason being is this. I know it's, it's unusual for me to say that, but let me explain why I have trust issues with hammocks. Uh, when I was dating my wife, Alana, this is many, many moons ago, uh, I was on a hammock at her house. She was pushing me on the hammock. And as she, as she started to push me, it's almost like it was beautiful. It was amazing. I'm like, man, this is a sign of things to come. Alana pushing me in a hammock. This is great. That's little Mai Tai will be set, right? But as she starts to push me, she does it a bit more ferociously, right? And the, the hammock starts to swing. The, the arc goes wider and wider. And as, at one point, the arc goes so far up that I'm thinking, man, this is, this is way too high for a hammock. But the hammock actually snapped. It broke. And I fell to the ground, uh, hitting not a sand floor or a grass floor, but a tiled floor. Like it absolutely smashed me, this thing. Just, well, me falling from a high height onto tile ever since that moment. I have struggled to trust hammocks. Like I will go to hop in one. And even to this day, I will kind of lean kind of in, but keep one foot on the ground just in case it happens again. And I developed, you could say, a trust issue. Now, here's the thing. We've all got things in our lives that have hurt us, that you thought you could depend on, that you thought you could put your trust in only to find it breaking your trust. Now, what's interesting about this particular proverb, it talks about trusting in God putting your trust in God, not leaning on your own understanding. The fascinating part is that uh, you would think that would be a pretty obvious thing to do. It is God. God is perfect. God has never broken our trust. But yet, why do we struggle to trust God? Have you ever asked that question? Why, how, can I, how can I struggle to trust a perfect God? What has caused me to not trust Him or to not put my full hope and trust in Him And I would have to say this, the reason why we struggle to trust God is this simple point, is that you do not trust what you do not know. Or I could say we do not know God as well as we should. Therefore, we do not trust him as much as we should. I'll say that again. We don't know God. Maybe this is the case. We don't know God as much as we should. Therefore, we do not trust him as much as we should. And it's there we come to this proverb because Solomon, again, considered one of the wisest people ever to live outside of the person of Jesus. He is, uh, he is sharing wisdom all throughout this book. Now, Proverbs is an amazing book, book but catch this. Proverbs was written by Solomon. But guess what other book in the Old Testament he wrote? The book of Ecclesiastes. And this is two ends of the pendulum, if you will. One book is written when he chose to trust in God. The other one was uh, written when he chose to to trust in himself. He started to put his hope in himself or his trust in himself. And so Solomon struggled with trusting God. In other words, he went from knowing God to, to almost just ignoring God. And that's where Ecclesiastes comes from. 
But he, he, many theologians believe that Proverbs, this particular one was written when Solomon was in his old, his old age. He's probably come back to God, come back to trust again. He's gone the hard way of trusting in himself, but now he's coming back to trusting in God. In other words, he's dealt with some trust issues that maybe he's developed along the way. Maybe he tried to trust in other things and realized that they could not be trusted. In fact, they were always going to break his trust, but he could trust in God, to which he would then write, Hey, man, trust in God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So let's answer this question in the few moments that we have together. Listen, how do I grow in my trust for God? Like, how do I go from these trust issues that we've all got, even with God, to trusting in him more? Well, number one, how do I grow my trust with God? Well, number one, I have to get to know God better. James, really? That's so simplistic. And it really, it really, that's it? Of course. He says this trust in the Lord, in the Lord. He's, he's saying you've got to grow in knowing him so you can grow in trusting him. I found that a lot of people's approach to God is like playing the guess who game. Remember the guess who game when you were a kid? Yeah, you got all the different characters and you're trying to guess the other person's you know, character by flicking down and the process of elimination. And I feel like a lot of people are still playing guess who with God as opposed to going to his word and discovering who he really is. Now, yes, God is mysterious. Yes, he is. But he has chosen to make his character and his intentions very clear through his word. So the more and more you get to know him through this book called the Bible, the more and more you will grow to trust him. But it all starts with getting to know him. Why? Because you will not trust someone you do not know. But the more you grow to know them, the more you will grow to trust them. The second way we grow in trusting God is that you've got to take the journey of wholehearted trust. Wholehearted trust. He says, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He says, and, and lean not on your own understanding. But he says this whole thing of wholehearted trust. Now, now I've, I've, I've kind of narrowed it down to this so there's four types of trust you and I'll experience in this world. I'll explain them to you. Let me, let me go there. Uh, there's human trust. There's hollow trust. There's half trust. And then there's holy trust. I'll say that again. There is human trust. There is hollow trust. And there's half trust. And there is holy trust. So let me explain this. First and foremost, there's human trust. Now, we should definitely put our trust in people. I think that's a good thing. You don't want to be paranoid. I can't trust anyone. Yes, there's people in your life that, man, you should hopefully grow to trust in. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much you trust in people, how many people know that people will let you down. So human trust is a beautiful thing that we should grow in, but it's not perfect. And people will let you down. And so human trust alone isn't the greatest trust because eventually people will let you down. Doesn't matter how close they are, how good they are. Human trust is not always constant. The second thing is hollow trust. And I, I think some people have a hollow trust. And what I mean by that, it's a, it's a hollow trust in God. It's more, it's just like, yeah, yeah, God, I, I, I do trust you. I, but it's more surface level. It's more like, yeah, just chuck it out there. And, but I don't really have a deep trust in God. It's kind of just surface level. It's not deep trust. The other one would be a half trust. Uh, if I'm really honest with you, this is where I will go between as more than I'd like to admit where I, I sometimes trust in God, but then I kind of trust in myself and I'm, I'm half trusting in God, then I'm half trusting in me. 
And usually the times where I'm trusting in me more is when everything's going great. But then when things are going bad, I try and trust in God again. But I'm going back and forth between trusting myself or my own strengths or my own abilities to then trusting God's strengths and God's abilities, right? Anyone else like that? It's like a little bit of a half trust. But here's the thing. God's goal is to get you to a holy trust, unholy trust. Now catch this. The word holy basically means different or set apart. It's a different type of trust. And holy trust is another word for holy is or definition of holy is perfect, a perfect trust. Now, here's the thing. How do I grow to perfectly trust God? Well, here's the truth. You cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it. Humanly speaking, we cannot arrive at a place of perfect trust with God because we are still broken and sinful and fallen and we need help beyond ourselves to trust him perfectly. And holy trust is actually the help that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now catch this. Holy trust is, it's, it's actually a gift God gives you. So you're saying that you're saying right now, like I'm struggling to trust God. I've got some trust issues with God about things in my life right now, especially coming out of a pandemic and, and, and the, the unknowns of the future. God, I want to trust you, but I'm really struggling to do that. And if that's the place you are in, what you can do simply right now is say, Holy Spirit, help me to trust God. Because here's the thing. Trust is not just something we conjure up. It's a gift God can give you. Example, the man who had a son who kept on having seizures, seizures and he was throwing himself into fire and water and he brings, it to the, brings the boy to the disciples. They can't cast out the demon, but then he brings the boy to, the, to Jesus and he says, Jesus, do you think you can do this? And Jesus is like, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, I, I think you can. But then he says these powerful words, but help me with my unbelief. In other words, I've kind of trust you. It's like a half trust, but I want to fully trust you. Can you help me with that? And Jesus says, Absolutely. So one of the greatest things you, you and I can do in our struggle sometimes to trust God is actually say, God, I'm struggling to trust you. Can you help me to do it? And that faith or that trust is a gift he can impart into your soul simply through asking him, God, help me with my unbelief. Help me to trust you better. The third thing on how we can grow in trust with God as we finish is just make a habit of including God. Like just include him. And the more you include him, the more you'll grow in trusting him. He says this, listen, don't lean on your own understanding. Just, just keep, keep coming back to God. Keep trusting him. Keep coming back to that holy trust. But last but not least, he says in verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. In other words, the word acknowledge just means recognize God. You're in control. God, you are in charge. You are great. You are powerful. So I just want to acknowledge that right now. And I just want to include you. So before any situation I step into, any day I step into, I just want to acknowledge you. And if I acknowledge you, in other words, if I include you, God, I know that you're just going to make my path straight. You're going to make a way for me to move forward in the great glorious future you have for me. You see, we've all got some trust issues, let's be honest. And God is saying, hey, um, just trust in me. Don't, 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 don't lean on your understanding. Trust in me. All your ways include me and watch what will happen. So C3 Hepburn Heights, I'm praying for you that in this season, you would grow in trusting God. And if you struggle to trust God, that you would just say, God, admit it, be vulnerable before him and say, God, I need your help to trust you better. Let me pray for you quickly and then we'll hand back over. God, I thank you for this beautiful church as they watch this. 
And as they open themselves up to you, God, that we would have even just some transparent moments before you, God, where we struggle to trust you, where we have some trust issues, God. God, we would, be grow, we would grow in knowing you and knowing that we can trust you with everything, Lord. You are perfect and that we would trust you in a perfect way because you deserve that, Lord. You're a loving Father. We can trust every area of our lives to you. So I pray that that would be the case in this beautiful church as they move into the rest of this year and the years to come that we grow in trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, church. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hope to see you soon. You liking this? This is like hybrid church, right? Bit of digital, bit of, bit of humans, non-digital humans. It's a great combination. I just love the body. I love the fact that we can have opportunities like this to hear brilliant voices from not only around our incredible country, but across the world as well, coming to impart wisdom into us. And I just want to give a shout out to Mr. Tom Hawkes, our incredible media guy, who puts all of this together in an excellent way. If you haven't... Oh, thanks, babe. We have this internal thing. If I'm ever up on stage with something random, call it out because I will be embarrassed the entire time and I can do the same for him. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Where was I going? Our our incredible Church Online. If you haven't jumped online and looked at what we produce every week, it's actually exceptional. Uh, Not only the the messages and the content and the way that it's put together, but obviously our worship as well. So we are producing some incredible content that is impacting people locally locally, as well as across Australia as well. But Tom Hawkes heads it up. He's an exceptional human. Let's give him some more love. So the wisdom I wish I had earlier was that I actually wish that I understood what wisdom was earlier. (laughs) Did anyone get that? Yes, right? So I love knowledge and I love study and I love devouring resources. It's part of my investigative personality type is if I don't know how something works, I go and study it. I want to glean information. I want to know things better. So... Through my 20s, I had this inbuilt sense of to know more was to be a better human, is if I gained more knowledge, if I gained more information, then somehow I would be able to present more well-rounded arguments and I would have greater opinion, I'd have greater clout. So there was this inbuilt sense in me through my teens and into my 20s that knowledge was power that I liked to be able to accrue information. I liked to be able to know things. And so I went through kind of this whole university degree, accruing more knowledge, reading, devouring, having greater understanding, a greater level of intellect about things. It was filling my head. And you see, don't get me wrong. This is a good thing. This is a noble thing. We are to use our brains, use our mind. But what I found through my 20s, you see, was that accruing knowledge in order to have great opinion really just puffed me up. 1 Corinthians 8.1, here Paul talks about the fact that knowledge can puff 
us up. So by filling my head, really I was just filling my sense of self, filling my sense of M's own importance, that by pursuing knowledge, by pursuing well-rounded opinions so I could argue well, so I could have great intellect, it really was about a level of self-gain if I'm honest. Am I allowed to be honest? And you see, what I learnt as I matured a little bit through my 20s is that sort of pursuit of knowledge, that sort of pursuit of opinion is very different to godly wisdom. So let's look at Proverbs instead. And a bounce out of Proverbs 8.14. Now, the entire chapter of Proverbs 8 uses this description, this symbolism, this metaphor of wisdom as a lady. Turn to the person next to you and say, lady wisdom. You've got to say lady a bit more flamboyantly. Lady wisdom. I can hear some of you doing it now. Beautiful. And so wisdom, through a lot of Proverbs is given this feminine pronoun of lady wisdom. So let me read one of these central verses out of chapter 8, Proverbs 8, 14. So this is lady wisdom speaking. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. So wisdom is a lady. Wisdom can be a lady. In, in the way that Proverbs describe it, wisdom has lady feminine attributes. Now, men, don't let me lose you here because let's remember that the large readership initially of Proverbs was the males, right? So there's a very significant intentionality here to actually use this description of wisdom, I think, to maybe help our men understand some of the poise and the softness and the measuredness that comes with godly wisdom. So I think as I'm reading through this chapter, as I'm reading through the chapters of Proverbs and thinking of what a lady is, why on earth would Solomon use the idea of lady wisdom? Well, let's think about what a lady does. When a lady walks into a room, she is measured, she holds the space, she is strong, and yet she encapsulates a sound of being captivating. When a woman walks into a room and is described as a lady, she holds the room. And as that lady walks into a room, some other attributes we think about when we're thinking of ladies are they're not overbearing, they're not aggressive, and they're not prideful. And so I think there is great power, great significance here in this description of lady wisdom. So for me, when we're understanding wisdom, this godly wisdom encapsulated in there is attributes of someone that is prudent, someone that has discretion, someone that is sound, and someone that has this sacred, beautiful combination of both softness 
and strength. You see, that is what I believe are some of these attributes of what it is to be a wise person, that when we are acquiring the gift of godly wisdom, and then when we share that godly wisdom, those are the sorts of sounds that should be pervading those conversations. Those are the sorts of sounds that should fill the room when we're talking to someone, that it doesn't come from a place of filling us up doesn't come from a place of hey let me know how, let me tell you how much I know but lady wisdom has a measuredness she is strong she's not a pushover but there is a poise and a grace and a strength in her that I believe are attributes of godly wisdom So when we operate in godly wisdom in this lady wisdom there is an aroma that we should leave There is a presence that we should carry. There is a sound that should fill the room when we are speaking out of godly wisdom, that our homes should smell a certain way, that our conversation should have a certain aroma, that when this sort of godly wisdom pervades those atmospheres, there is a softness and a strength. There is a measuredness, but there is a power. There is a poise, yet there is a purpose. That is all encapsulated in Lady Wisdom. And so it took me through my 30s and now into my 40s to actually desire this sort of wisdom rather than an intellect that puffs me up so I can have better opinions and more greater knowledge. This is now the wisdom that I desire. Opinion, you see, is overbearing. Opinion, you see, shouts to be heard, often in caps lock. Opinion cancels others out. Opinion's purpose is to make the opinion giver look good. These are not the attributes of a lady. These are not the attributes of lady wisdom. So now how I see wisdom as I have grown in this understanding of wisdom that I now have in greater measure... I see wisdom as a gift. Proverbs 3, 6, the Lord gives as you've heard in a number of ways today. Wisdom, godly wisdom is not fed and fueled by intellect, but it's fed by spirit. Wisdom, as opposed to intellect or opinion, wisdom points people to Jesus, not to self. And wisdom, godly wisdom, brings a soundness and a comfort and a clarity to people and to situations. So I wish that I had this wisdom earlier. I wish that I had pursued this sort of godly wisdom. As we heard Jace, I I wish that I had stepped out in practical steps in my 20s and then pursued it in prayer and in spirit as well. But now in my 40s, this wider, deeper, biblical, richer understanding of wisdom is what I desire. So friends, as we finish today, what of all these speakers, these bite-sized morsels of goodness from the four of us, what has struck you? Is it some of Val's words around correction? Is some of it James's words around trust? Is it my words are around this idea of what wisdom actually looks like, sounds like, feels like? So what has impacted you? I'd encourage you to sit on it, to go home, to revisit the messages. You can do that on Church Online as well as through our podcast. What is Holy Spirit illuminating you in the wisdom space today? Seize that opportunity. Stand with me as I pray.
Father God, we pray again, just as we prayed at the beginning of the service today with Jace, we pray again for your continued wisdom. As in that passage from James, Lord, that we ask you for it and you give it. You don't give it just in a small portion, just in a little bit, just to cover the gaps. Lord, you give it generously. And so, Father God, I'm praying that where we are lacking, where there is gaps in our business life, in our home life, in our family life, in our friendship life, Lord, that we will have and desire and ask for more wisdom. So, Lord, we receive it today. Stretch out your hands, church. We receive wisdom in all those scenarios. Lord, as as James Murray said, Lord, we include you. I pray this week as we step into a conversation or or we start that assignment or we make that phone call or or we send that text message, Lord, that we will include you. We will begin by saying, Holy Spirit, come and illuminate, come and guide, come and lead, formulate the words that I need to say that I will be a wise, godly person, that I will leave an aroma, Lord, of measuredness and discretion and softness and strength, that I won't be lording my authority, lording my opinion, Lord, but just like those images of Lady Wisdom, be poised and measured, assertive, strong. So, Lord, fill us up right now. Through this series, Lord, illuminate where we need more wisdom. Fill us up where we need more wisdom. And and Lord, also reveal those practical steps that we can take, as Jay said, that perhaps deep diving further into the book of Proverbs, reading more Proverbs, deep diving more into your godly wisdom in the Word of God. Lord, practically and spiritually, we take a hold of the tools that we have and lean into them in this season that we will grow, 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 grow in wisdom so that you will be glorified. We will leave an aroma wherever we go. We will be the hands and feet of you, Jesus. We will be a different sound, a different voice, a different taste in scenarios, Lord, because there is a supernatural empowered wisdom that carries us and comes out of our mouth that is so different to what the world offers. Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.